Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Live from the city of Angels, where uh, I do believe there are two home football games this weekend couple of hoop games tonight at Staples and at least one, at least one potential future major league baseball star has decided to call it home. Otani's coming, but he's not coming to Los Doyers. He's coming to the angels. Uh, and we'll see if John Carlos Stanton chooses to come back home to play for the Dodgers. We got hot stove league news to talk about hot stove league. No college football, with the exception of uh, Oregon, deciding to stick with Mario Cristobal, who, of course, came over as their offensive coordinator. He was previously the head coach at uh, Florida, one of the Florida, two Florida, I think Florida International. There's Florida International, there's Florida Atlantic. Florida International, I believe, is the one in Miami. Florida Atlantic is the one in Fort Lauderdale. Whatever. Uh, he did a really good job there and uh, lost his job with a personality conflict, and now he's the head coach at Oregon. 
kind of a weird fit, but seems like it'll it'll work uh, with Jim Lovett staying as their defensive coordinator. All right, we got a little college football to talk about. Got some NBA to talk about as the Lakers take down the Philadelphia 76ers. But let's start with last night's Thursday night football game. It's interesting, the Thunder lost last night in Mexico City. You know the three things you can count on when you go to Mexico, right? Ramos, do you know this? Uh, the water, don't drink the water. Uh, something on fire. Oh, jeez. Three-legged dog. Kids selling chicle, right? The chicle, okay. Three three things that you can you can count on. Uh, three things you can count on Thursday night football. You wear what they are? I mean, th- th- excuse me, three things you can count on in life. Death, taxes, and whoever loses Thursday night football complains about Thursday night football. Right. And, and look, there are rightful and reasonable concerns about Thursday night football. I've pointed this out time and again, like the, the games themselves not going away, not going away. Um, the NBA last night, it was really easy to know the Rockets were going to win that game in Utah because they had six days off, right? The NBA has taken the lead to like, hey, we're extending this season. We're going to be smart about it. And I would expect, uh, I would expect that the NFL will at some point do the same. Because Thursday night football is not going away, and the idea of having a bye before every Thursday night football game sounds really, really good. Doesn't that sound good? That sound good to you? Like, hmm, that sounds delicious. That sounds good. The problem with it is the execution of it's hard. Because for Thursday night football games, Thursday games, you already have the three games on Thanksgiving. You have the initial Thursday night game. Then you have the Saturday games late in the year. Like, it's a balancing act. So the idea of, well, hey, man, why don't you just have a bye, well, you know, before every Thursday night game, and then you're done with it. It's good. It's good, right? It's like, okay, well, no, then then the Cowboys is only one Thursday night game, so the Cowboys are only on Thursday night, and whoever, and the Lions are only on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Like, you start, it starts getting really difficult. Uh, but instead of complaining about Thursday night football, which, hey man, you sign up that deal when you're going to sign a contract. If you don't want to play on Thursday nights, sign a contract that says you don't want to play on Thursday nights. Instead of talking about that or Matt Ryan's sudden incompetence and ability to turn the football over. I mean, man, three interceptions and you still win the game. You know what that felt like? That, that feels like. Uh, remember Clayton Kershaw's first start this year in the playoffs when she gave up four home runs and still got the win. And like, yeah, I didn't really pitch well, but he got the win. That's what it reminded me of. But to me, the, the biggest play of the game was the last play of the game or, or essentially the last play of the game. Tight end, two receivers, right? One receiver to the left. Ingram in the backfield with Breeze. Snap to him. Breeze shoots it. End zone intercepted. Oh, my goodness. Deion Jones. Deion Jones made an amazing play. He actually made a maybe a, a, as spectacular a play running down the wide receiver on first down, the, the, the play right before. Deion Jones, a freak athlete. I mean, wow, is he crazy athletic. But that play is huge. Huge. And by my estimation... Uh, I think it makes it virtually impossible to see a path that the New Orleans Saints reach the Super Bowl. 
That's how big a loss that was for the Saints. I know the Saints were down eight guys. I know they were decimated by injury. You lose Kamara in the first quarter, who's been as good a running back as there is in football over the past five or six weeks. I mean, uh, you lose that, and that's automatically going to set you back. But on the road, a chance to get to their 10th win, something the Eagles have already done, the Vikings have already done, the Rams are yet to do. This is a Saints team that's 5-1 and one at home. Everyone knows they're built to play on the fast turf and, and at home in New Orleans. Their remaining schedule has winnable games. Winnable games. Next week, the Jets at home, then the Falcons at home at the Buccaneers. So best case scenario, they have 12 wins. 12 wins. On the other hand, the Saints uh, have already lost to the Vikings. Who, would, who could also have 12 or possibly 13 wins. They have already lost to the Rams, who would also potentially have 12 wins. And they have not played the Philadelphia Eagles. But the Eagles are 10-2 and two on the season, and the Eagles finish up. Rams at Giants, Raiders, Cowboys at home. Now, the Cowboys game may re- be really important, or it may not. But if you're New Orleans and you look and you have three or four competitors, and I will grant it, I'll grant you the Eagles and the Rams play each other, so somebody is losing an additional game this week. It's it's almost an impossibility, even with their schedule being soft, that if they win their last four games, they're going to get home field advantage throughout, and they might not get home field advantage in the second round of the playoffs. And if that's the case, the Saints aren't going to, let alone winning the Super Bowl. That's how big an interception it was. And they were deep in field goal range in the Dome. They were going to make the field goal. Worst case scenario. And for Drew Brees, and as good a career as Drew Brees has had, that's a terrible look. He knew it. He knew how big it was. But look, we can make takeaways over the coaching mishaps. Both coaches had some bizarre, well, what is Dan Quinn declines a, a penalty on third down. What is he doing? Then it becomes fourth and one. So it extends the Saints drive. Like, what what are you doing? And then, of course, uh, Sean Payton gets a penalty for trying to call a timeout on the field, uh, which ends up costing the Saints their last timeout because he's penalized. Neither team played particularly well. Both teams were totally beat up. All of that considered, the only thing that really matters was the Saints were in field goal range. Seriously, easily makeable field goal range. And Drew Brees, their veteran, a future Hall of Famer, throws an interception to a pass that he didn't even need to throw. And that interception was as big as Maybe not as big or as as the Shazier injury, which still not good news out of out of, out of Philadelphia, excuse me, Pittsburgh Steelers camp. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. He also has his own podcast along with Bucky Brooks, uh, but he is a native San Diegan, and he lives in San Diego where there's the the, the terrible fires from. Uh, the San Fernando Valley in Ventura County, which is north and west of Los Angeles, have now spread to San Diego. DJ, everybody uh, safe at home? 
Yeah, everybody's safe, Doug. I appreciate you asking. It was uh, about 10 miles away from our house where, where one is, uh, was going, but I think they've got it about 60% contained. And kids all school got canceled and all that stuff. But uh, so far, you know, from our family standpoint, it's been okay. But, man, you're praying for all the other families out there. This has been uh, this is pretty awful situation with all these fires. Yeah, it's uh, and for people who don't understand, you're like, wait, why is this any worse? Remember last year, historic rains in Southern California. And so with historic rains comes a historic amount of brush and then like it then it just doesn't rain. And though the fire season is normal, the fire danger and how these fires spread and how they burn is even greater because of all that brush. And you simply can't cut it all back. Um, let's get to, let's start with college football. We still don't know about Darnold. We still don't know about Rosen. We do know about Baker Mayfield. Let me start with Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I Trent Dilfer said, Hey man, I know you want him to be Russell Wilson, but he doesn't have big hands, doesn't have long arms. He does have a big arm, and he does kind of have a cock-of-the-walk feel to him. Others are others are starting to buy in and think this guy could be a first-round selection. Is he a yep. starting quarterback in the NFL in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look around the league and see what's playing right now and see some of the guys that are out there. I mean, do I think he's going to be a top-10 quarterback? No, I, don't, I think that's rich. But I think in a run-heavy team that can work off play action, get him a deep pocket where he can survey and see a little bit better, uh, I think he very, he very well could function as a starting quarterback. And I think he'll, he's going to go higher than uh, some people think. There's just, there's just more need at the position than there are quality players. He's going to go. Yeah, but, and, but you like him? I do. I like him. I think he can play. I think you've got to have a plan in place. I think you want to be a run-heavy team and work off the run game with deeper play action for a shorter quarterback that makes his life a little easier to see. That's like that, that's gets, what they do with Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson's drops perfect. I mean he drops back so far. That's perfect. The thing the challenge is you got to be able to have a huge arm. And I don't think he has Russell Wilson's arm, but I think he does have a strong arm. It's plenty strong enough to be able to function in that type of system. Um Rosen is kind of being a little bit coy about whether or not he's coming out. Is there any question whether or not he'd come out of the dra- come out of the draft? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look. Who knows, man? Uh, I've been shocked before. I mean, my Padres don't get the Japanese outfielder that your Angels got, so I, I mean, I guess we could be surprised. But uh, no, he's come on, he's coming out. I, I'd be shocked. Okay, so uh, look, everyone seems to say the same thing. Man, he looks the part. God, he looks the part. Then you're like, would you take another one overall? Eee, eee, I don't know, not a leader, entitled, likes to party a little bit, doesn't win, has been hurt. Um, if 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 you have the number one pick and you're Cleveland, do you take him? Oh man, Doug. Can I can I meet with him first? Uh, I mean, that would be my thing. I just want to, you know, you hear you get all the third person accounts of what his personality's like and um, and what his football acumen is, I would love to get a chance to meet with him. Fortunately, in, in this gig, I do get a chance to talk with all these guys in the spring. Physical ability-wise, no question, he's worth the first. He's worth a, a first overall pick. But that other part of it's a pretty big deal, and I think you have to wait until you get in a room and sit down and talk with him and get a feel for him before you would put your stamp on him. How big are the concerns that people have? They're legitimate. I mean, I think you touched on one of it. I know people hate it and say, oh, winning's not a quarterback stat, but it is. Um, you know, when you look at historically and look at all these guys in the league, I did a study on it last year of the quarterbacks that, you know, didn't have wild success from a win total standpoint of the starters in the NFL. The only two that I could come up with were Jay Cutler and Trevor Simeon. That was it. 
all these other guys win 10 plus games, you know, in, in college on a yearly basis. So there is something to that. And I think you got to do your homework on all that stuff. But the personality, I mean, Bucky, Bucky, my buddy Bucky Brooks has said it several times. He's probably eliminated a third of the teams in the league with his personality that they just won't, they won't want to mess with him. But there's still, that still leaves a bunch of other teams out there. So. Uh, I don't think he's going to be for everybody, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where everybody's worried about him either. He's somewhere in the middle. Sashi Brown was fired yesterday, and by my estimation, he was fired. It's it's kind of like the Mac Brown thing, right? Like Mac Brown was was great, and then the team fell off. And though there were other reasons the team fell off, you couldn't escape the fact that Andrew Luck grew up in Texas. Uh, all these quarterbacks, the, the Jameis Winstons, that that they had a, a chance at and that they passed on. Um, I mean, Johnny Manziel, he wanted to be a defensive back and so ultimately lost his job, which is really what happened with Sashi Brown, right? It's th- he, They gutted the place. They got a bunch of picks. They got some good young talent. Uh, they, got, they, they had some good, decent cap discipline as well. But you walk around, you're like, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz passed on these guys multiple times. You had an opportunity to solve the quarterback I- issue. Isn't that essentially why he got fired? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the number one reason with the quarterbacks being out there. I mean, look, there's three reasons to me. Number one, those quarterbacks they pass on have proven to be big-time guys. Number two, the win-loss record is what it is. It's so ugly and atrocious, you can't defend it. And number three, though, I think this is the reason people don't talk about. If you look at, and this probably goes even beyond him, the Browns' biggest issues haven't been on the guys they've passed. It's been on the guys they picked. You know, so easy to say. You can go around the league to any team and say, well, they should have taken this guy. He's better than the guy they took. But if you would have hit, if Corey Coleman had emerged as a Pro Bowl receiver right now, if Danny Shelton was an, was an all-pro nose tackle, if all these other guys that actually did pick were playing outstanding at other positions, then you could be, okay, we're on the right track. We're getting a lot of good pieces in place. I think that's why the Jaguars you know, stayed with David Caldwell. The wins weren't there, but you're like, man, we, we've got, we're starting to stockpile a lot of studs at all these other positions, eventually it's going to work out. That hasn't been the case for the Browns. Uh, last night, I felt like Drew Brees, that last that last pick, almost seals the deal that it it makes it really difficult to see them as a Super Bowl team. Not because Brees isn't good, not because when they get Kamara back, they won't have a, do- a dynamic running game, but they have to play in the Superdome in order to get to the Super Bowl, don't they? And you lose that game last night, a winnable game in spite of all their injuries, and it makes it really hard to see a, a path for them to get in home field advantage throughout. Yeah, I, I've been you know, I've been on that train saying, hey, if, if it goes through Philadelphia, I'll take Philadelphia. If it goes through New Orleans, I probably would I probably would be more of a fifty fifty toss up. But now it's like, dang, the Vikings are just kind of hanging out over there. We kind of forget about them. But, uh, yeah, I would put, if you're going to rank their chances to make it all the way through the Super Bowl, right now I would go Philly 1, Minnesota 2, and probably whoever comes out of the, uh, out of the NFC, NFC South number 3. All right, let's, let's get to the big matchup in Los Angeles. Goff and Wentz. Everybody is falling all over themselves about Wentz. Goff, of course, people yep. were so down on last year. And now, even though he's getting praise, a lot of that praise is, hey, look, surrounded by a great cast of players, got a great play caller, and the way in which they way in which they operate with the Rams, he gets to the line of scrimmage early so McVay can still talk in his ear a little bit. Um, how big is the separation in your mind between Wentz and Goff? I think they're totally different guys. I, I still think I would have Wentz over Goff, but I think Goff has, has been outstanding this year, and I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves because those other factors in place, no doubt, but he's executing. 
Um, and, and to me, I just think physical tool-wise, I think Wentz has more of that, just the size, the imposing uh, ability to kind of step out of tackles and make things happen, more physical guy. But I think Goff is playing in a very, very efficient manner, and I think he's, he's playing you know, good enough. He's not just good enough to win. That's, that's not you know, saying it correctly. He can, he can lead a football team, and I think you're seeing more and more confidence in that. Look at how much they're letting him throw, Doug. They're not taking the ball out of his hands. They're putting it in his hands, and that tells you they got the right guy. I, I also thought that Monday night when Shazier got hurt, um, look, th- there, are, there are several positions to which the Steelers are just better than the Patriots. And I know they played down to level of competition, but at some point you just need guys and they have playmakers, a better running back, a better wide receiver. Uh, you go through the, the Cam Haywards of the world. You go to, to, to TJ Watt. Like they, they have guys that get after the quarterback, but you lose Shazier. Isn't that almost house of cards defensively? Doesn't that dramatically change who the Steelers are getting ready for the playoffs? Yeah. You know what? Look, it's, it's, it comes down to matchups. And when I look at that Patriots game, what do the Patriots love to do? They love to work through the tight ends. They love to work through the running backs. Shazier, if not the most athletic, one of the most athletic linebackers in the league. I mean, he ran the high four threes. So you take away somebody that can run and cover uh, those backs and tight ends, and you got to, you know, everybody says it's coming. It's them in New England. That matchup is coming. That is a huge loss for the Steelers. The Vikings are taking on the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers have, have shown they're one of these teams you're like, wait, the record is what? Uh, on the other hand, the, on the other hand, the, the Vikings have had this dominant season, which I guess it's because it's Case Keenum. Nobody can nobody can buy in, but their defense is unbelievable. Uh, they have two elite wide receivers, and Keenum is out there balling. Give me your sense of Vikings Panthers. Well, I'm kind of with you on the Panthers. You kind of you kind of sit and go, how the heck are they here? And it, even though I think it's because Cam is so unconventional. You know, you just kind of, he's just so unique and that what's around him is almost kind of irrelevant at times. He can just take things over with his physical nature. I still think Minnesota 1-53 to is a much better football club than the Panthers. But, you know, hey, Cam Newton is, is one of the few guys, he does it a different way, but he can take a football game over and that's why they're always in it. I, I still, though, would lean more towards Minnesota. Uh, Chargers are now tied with the Kansas City Chiefs atop the AFC West. You were high on the Chargers Going back way back when, so was I. Um, they didn't actually play all that well and beat Cleveland last week. They got the skins. Uh, last game of the year feels like it's going to be a barn burner with the Raiders, who are also at 6-6. Six and six. Um, Do you expect the Kansas City Chiefs to turn this thing around? Oh, man, it's been such a slide. And, and now I think defensively, I'm just wondering what's going on with this football team. You see some of the undisciplined stuff taking place. Sit down, Marcus Peters. I don't know, Doug. I just keep coming back to the the two things I believe in at the NFL level. When you're trying to separate teams, I look at D-line play and I look at quarterback. And the Chargers, I think, are are in great shape in both of those spots, and I think that's why they're going to end up winning that division. Tend to agree with you. Daniel Jeremiah, check out his podcast. Download it. He and Bucky Brooks, they do a great job. Plus, see him on the NFL Network. DJ, glad everybody's safe. Uh, Thoughts and T's and P's to everybody in San Diego. Hopefully, you, you guys, are, everyone you know is safe as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, buddy. I don't, I don't understand why, why you're not apologizing for taking Otani from us, though. I don't understand why I don't warrant that as a Padre fan. I mean, it's brutal. Why would you go play for the Padre? The Padre is a great place to watch a game. They're not any good. Like, the, the, the Angels weren't any good last year, and they were pretty good last year. Didn't have Mike Trout for a third of the season, have no pitching, and yet still nearly made the playoffs. Padres, 
I just I I kind of feel like they got a little Cleveland Browns to them, except they're not in Cleveland; they're in San Diego. Well, you've got Trout, though. I mean, he could have literally walked into the building and been our best uh, offensive player, defensive player, and pitcher. I mean, that's kind of unique. It is kind of unique. I just like, you know, everybody, <laughs> myself included, we all got Dodger fever, and suddenly I've got a little NyQuil, and the NyQuil for it is, uh, is, uh, is Otani. Now, now i got angel fever. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, buddy. See you, DJ. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. And I was watching the Lakers end a, was it a five-game losing streak? And beat the Sixers last night. Look, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of discussion about Lonzo Ball, and there are still some things, a, a ton of things to work on, and there are a bunch of moments in an NBA game in which you forget that he's even on the floor. That's a weird thing for a point guard in a guard dominated league, in a league in which the rules are set up so that your point guard can handle and overhandle the basketball. To forget where Lonzo Ball is is just kind of weird. But he is attacking more when he gets the ball in transition instead of just throwing the ball up. He did know time and score and went for a two-for-one there with 29 seconds to go. And when he got the ball back, he knew that they were in a tie game. And so while he could have attacked with about nine seconds to go, he passed it to Brandon Ingram, who promptly passed it back to him. That's when he drove and kicked out to Ingram. Like, Do I want him to be... Uh, do I want him to be more aggressive? Sure. Do I want him to be better at shooting the basketball? Absolutely. Do I want him to be better defensively? Yes. But you're looking for signs of growth and considering the fact that in in previous games he had always hot potato the ball in transition, that was getting better. And considering he knew time and score in the last 30 seconds of the game when so many other players do not, I think I think those are wins. And oh yeah, by the way, the team did, did in fact win. Rebounded well, passed well, blocked a couple shots. All that good. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There's a way in which you can ingratiate people and make them feel like they're part of the process, even if you change nothing at all. It's the exact same thing I talked about with how the Giants mismanaged the Eli Manning situation. Look, they, they should have benched Eli Manning. It was not the wrong decision, but it's the wrong way to go about it. Let Eli Manning be the one who comes out and like, look, we sat down, had some long talks, and I'm fully focused on the future of this organization, and I decided, or have Ben McAdoo, like, look, we proposed it, we, we allowed Eli to decide how he wanted to get Davis Webb in the game, and he said, why don't you just start Geno, and, you know, it's, it's completely different, it's the same thing with the Heisman Trust. Now they're going to have former winners not show up, like, ooh, that's just ugly. Just ugly. The the one point that and and look the if you're Gary Beban or you're Johnny Rogers or you're Gino Toretta or you're any of these other past winners Tim Brown and you have a problem with it I do think this is a little bit like meeting with the president like going to the White House I, I do think that yeah we will your voice will be heard loud and clear by you not being there but it would be heard even more loudly, even more clearly if you were there, you were in attendance. Because what happens is when you, those guys don't show up, it diminishes the current winner, Baker Mayfield likely, current winner, and it tells people like, man, foreign players aren't even showing up. Like this award, this award stinks. 
I, I couldn't be the only one that thinks this, right? We, and of course they should, there should be a way in which uh, you have to hire a 2017 marketing firm. I don't think that fans should have a huge percentage of the vote, but fans should have a percentage of the vote. Again, that's like, that's like the exact same thing. Fans should, but they should feel like they're engaged. Hey, look, we're going to open up 5% of the total balloting will be fan balloting. And he, and you find a way to do it to where people can't multiple register or whatever, or find a way in which college football coaches can choose who represents you. Know, you can't vote for a kid in your own team. Pick who you think should represent your sport as the greatest player in your sport in that given season. There's a way to bring in more people. There's a way to bring in more money. And there's also a way to bring in these former winners. The first thing they're doing wrong is they're not talking. When you don't talk, that's when any relationship breaks down. Work relationship, a business relationship, or just a, a, a personal romantic relationship, a friendship. You don't talk. And so the fact that the that the Heisman Trust isn't talking to former former winners, well, there in itself shows the breakdown. And then Heisman winners not showing up while their intentions are good. Their intentions are, hey, we're solidarity. We're not showing up. We're not happy. That's a good intention. But what ends up happening is our perception of it is former Heisman winners aren't even showing up. If they don't care, why should I care? Is that a slap in the face of Baker Mayfield? Is that a slap in the face at the award, the future of the award? Even if they are right that the Heisman Trust needs to evolve into 2017. Otherwise, it will become just an award. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let's bring in Sam Amick from USA Today. He's a big baller, even if he doesn't rep the brand. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What are people in the NBA saying about uh, about the LeVar pulling LiAngelo from UCLA and uh, LaMelo from high school and now saying they're going to play together overseas? Um, you know, I think there's some, some eye-rolling going on, Doug, uh, for sure. You know what I mean? For one, you know, LaMelo is, is kind of, you know, the younger one is the one who has a higher ceiling conceivably in terms of who he's going to be as a player. But, you know, as you've seen, you know, there's been a little bit of dose of reality when it comes to LiAngelo and, and the widely held belief that, this is a guy that, that wasn't on draft boards and wasn't destined for the NBA anyway. So I think, you know, it, we've got enough of a conversation talking about Lonzo and what kind of NBA player he's going to become when it comes to the other two brothers, you know, considering now the decisions being made in, in the context of their basketball experience. I think, you know, it's definitely in question kind of what, uh, what the other two are going to look like and where they're going to wind up. Um, but, but it's largely irrelevant to the actual NBA community because these guys are these are not you know seen as lottery picks down the road. We saw Lonzo last night. I, I saw some growth in terms of his decision making, understand time and score, and that fact he was attacking in transition instead of uh, always you know kind of hot potatoing the ball. But but there look the the I mean he's only shot above fifty percent, I believe one game one game as as a pro right. th- thus far. Uh, the shooting is problematic. The finishing is problematic. The defense can be improved. The body can be improved. Where, if we're, I don't know, a third of the way through the season or a quarter of the way through the season, uh, what's the general takeaway on Lonzo? I think some surprise. I mean, every rookie is going to struggle, and inconsistencies are going to be expected. But I think generally surprised that he hasn't been more dynamic. And, and whether you want to focus on 
kind of the lack of, of you know aggression at different times. And whether it's, I mean, the guy's never been a shooter, but he shot the ball a whole lot better at UCLA than he did, you know, had so far with the Lakers. Um, you know, I think people question confidence where his head is at, and, and he's trying to work his way through what's been a tough couple of months. I mean, last night, that's a great moment for him late. You know, he missed that three right before he found Brandon Ingram, and, and that was ugly. And so the, it's, it's, you got to love pro sports, right, where, like, the narrative changes so quickly because he looked like the GOAT one second and then he drives you know on the right side and finds Brandon and that's the kind of vision and, and you know the, the way he attacks the floor and opens things up for other guys that's what you saw but you know I think people are still intrigued you know beyond belief and, and think he could be very good but uh, he has not been good on most nights. Sam Amick joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I know the Thunder didn't have Paul George. I know that altitude got them. I understand all that. And they took on a team that's going to shoot as many threes as anybody in the NBA. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets shot 37 three-pointers last night. But they lost that game, right? I mean, and after jumping out, wasn't they weren't ready to play? 13-point lead in the first quarter, ready to play. And and Carmelo and Russell Westbrook were bad. They just were not good. Um, what's the temperature in the room in Oklahoma City now that we're what twenty four games in and they're two games below five hundred, um, it's it's again we talk about inconsistencies. I mean it's it's up and down. You know they had a really good three game stretch leading into that Brooklyn game, and I guarantee you, you know that Sam Presti and Billy Donovan, those guys, they were hoping to keep it going. You know they had a win over the Spurs, granted without Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, they slowed down a Utah team that had been winning a lot of games and they beat Minnesota, you know which had beat them twice earlier in the year. And if you broke down those three wins, they got better in a lot of ways that had, they'd been struggling, and specifically clutch time. And, uh, you know, the, their net rating just went through the roof. And so for three games, things look pretty good um, with some qualifiers. And this Brooklyn game was a tough one. I mean, that's just it's, uh, it's a team that is better than we thought they were going to be, the Nets, but they're still Brooklyn. They're still certainly in the lower half of the league. And, uh, and I think the bigger takeaway for me is that with Paul out, as we try to hone in on what's going wrong here, I do think it's it's really starting to, to be safe to say that, you know, Carmelo's having a tough time finding a way to fit in, and, and they are at their worst a lot of times when it's some combination of, you know, Mello with Russ or Mello with Paul. Uh, Russ and Paul on the floor together has, has been pretty good. And, you know, it, I don't know what to make of it when you have Russ on track for a career-low shooting percentage, Mello on track for a career low shooting percentage. These guys have been playing the game a long time. Um, and, and that's just not a good look. No, no, it's not. Uh, the Houston Rockets are averaging 44 three point attempts a game. Uh, to, for some perspective on that, that's 10 more a game than the Brooklyn Nets, who are second most in the league. So shooting a ridiculous volume of threes. Chris Paul, of course, was hurt for the first part of the year. Come, he's come back now. How is that relationship, on-court relationship, working out? Really good. Really, really good. I mean, I was around them last week, the Lakers-Rockets game, and, and I wrote something yesterday kind of breaking down their situation. Um, it's not only really good, it's just I think the mistake that a lot of us made, myself included, is when we analyzed how Chris was going to fit in, we focused so much on the idea of Chris and Paul on the floor together at the same time, kind of glossing over the fact that Mike D'Antoni – you know, arguably the best point guard coach in the history of the game when it comes to just what he's gotten out of his point guards. 
and he's been staggering them. It's not about you know having them on the floor together 36 minutes a night. It's about punishing opposing teams in their second units by, as, as D'Antoni puts it, having a Hall of Fame point guard on the floor 48 minutes a night. And so what you've seen is that Chris has helped their defense get better along with P.J. Tucker and Luke Mabambute and Clint Capella, Trevor Reza, those guys. Uh, and he's been setting guys up as a playmaker in just a ridiculous fashion. We knew that's what Chris did, but now because he's got other playmakers, I mean, I talked to him the other day, he talked about you know, laces out, so to speak, with how he sets up his shooters. You know, Ryan Anderson was shooting 77% on three-pointers that come from Chris Paul, which is just, you know, mind-blowing. So Chris is checking all those boxes. They're playing Ds. They're looking good. Um, you know, I think they're going to be right there with the Warriors at the end. That's the voice of Sam Amick from USA Today covering the NBA. It's Doug Gottlieb show on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Derek Rose took this kind of weird sabbatical where he didn't know if he wanted to play anymore because his body kept uh, letting him down. Meanwhile, the Cavs didn't really miss him. Um, they just they just start kept winning games. I know he apologized to his teammates, but like, w- w- where are we here with this Derrick Rose thing? It it just seems like a story that kind of got brushed aside because of football season. There's so much else going on in the NBA and LeBron's incredible dominance as a player of the season. Statistically, maybe having his best season as a pro. Uh, where are we with this Derrick Rose thing? Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I know that he revealed today that that he had a little more going on in the ankle than we realized. And, uh, you know, I think I'm trying to remember who said this it was a former player who had recently made the point that, you know, Derek is lucky that there's so many guys in that locker room who played this game for such a long time. Um, you know, I think it's like at least six seasons for most of the guys on the roster, which is to say that, you know, there's not as much concern uh, internally for a Derek Rose type of situation causing a distraction because these guys are all, Grown-ups, they're all vets. They've been doing it a long time. They can simultaneously be sympathetic to Derek and be patient with him uh, while playing at a high level. And they've won 12 in a row. They're killing it. So with Derek, the awkward, obvious question going forward is just where does he fit in and does he fit in? Because, you know, we have seen take out the melodramatics of it and, you know, everything he's been going through. It's just we've seen that, you know, they don't look like they need him right now. And, uh, I don't know how that ends because they also respect him greatly as a player and as a person, and I don't think they want his final chapter to to be, you know, have this kind of a tone to it. So I don't know where it goes from here, but uh, it, it's kind of uncomfortable. And we're not even talking about Isaiah Thomas coming back, who you would think would would take right. up a bunch of a bunch of his minutes. So just it, it's right. a weird. The whole thing is is kind of uh, kind of bizarre. Uh, Kawhi next Tuesday. This has been a long time waiting for Kawhi Leonard to come back and play. Um, I, I mean, I would guess they want to make sure he was completely and totally healthy before we saw him on a basketball floor. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, it's a it's a weird injury. It's you know the quad and tendinopathy. You know, I think is how you pronounce it, and it, it's just been strange. I mean, the, the Spurs for one, they keep things close to the vest, and so we didn't get updates as often as we would from other teams and. Uh, you know, but but good on them for what they've been able to do with him out. I mean, that's I think one of the more overlooked stories of the season is Lamarcus Aldridge and the fact that he's definitely an All Star this year. I think no question he should be back on that team, uh, and, and they are right there in the kind of position in the West where you add Kawhi, an MVP caliber player, 
to what they're already doing. And, and then you, you kind of you, you monitor the LaMarcus Kawhi dynamic again to see how they uh, coexist. But, I mean, LaMarcus was getting crucified last year for his inability to step up when Kawhi was out right. when they got beat by the Warriors. And so uh, I don't think it should be overlooked that he has carried them for you know large stretches of this season. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I- I've listened to Cowherd's show, and he keeps talking about this Giants-Cowboys game like it's going to be competitive. It's like, oh, I'm just so in on this because a bunch of guys are going to be wearing Eli jerseys. First of all, the idea of grown men wearing another grown men's, like a, a another grown man's jersey to a football game around a bunch of other grown men is creepy. Creepy. I, I didn't say you can't wear your Giants blue or own an, kind of an old school Joe Morris jersey or an old school LT jersey, but the idea that you went out and like, I, I, here's honestly what I think's going on in uh, in New York. I think everybody feels bad. I do. Because when Eli was really good, they're like, eh, he's not his brother. He's not his brother. And now when they realize that Eli is done, they're like, you know what? I, I, I didn't think he was great, but I respect him. And now he's getting disrespected. So... I don't think a bunch of Hanyaks showing up in an Eli jersey, and most Giants fans own Odell Beckham Jr. jerseys more than Eli jerseys. I don't think that changes the outcome of this game. The Cowboys are good, and the Cowboys are healthy, and the Cowboys are still waiting on Ezekiel Elliott to come back. The Giants are not. Absolutely not. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you.